0: WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The Michigan House has voted along party lines to approve a package of red flag bills that would allow individuals to ask a judge to confiscate firearms from a person believed to be a risk to themselves or others. Earlier on Thursday, the House Judiciary Committee approved some of the changes to the legislation. Here's Committee Chair Kelly Breen. We are now going to allow guardians as well as physicians, uh, health providers, to file a complaint if they wish to remove firearms from one of their patients. We are going to make the provisions of this bill applicable to individuals, whether or not they own or possess a firearm. We are going to make sure that for the regular ERPO hearings, there will be notice and opportunity to be heard by the respondent. Due process will be considered. Breen says another change gives police the ability to take guns away from someone if approved by a judge or magistrate, a change supported by the Michigan Sheriff's Association. The House Freedom Caucus, however, says red flag laws undermine the fundamental rights guaranteed by federal and state constitutions. Governor Gretchen Whitmer says she'll sign the bills after they pass the Senate. Meanwhile, former Congressman Fred Upton has spoken out in favor of gun safety reforms that are now already law in Michigan. Governor Whitmer signed two bills Thursday. One requires universal background checks for gun purchases and the other requires that guns be stored safely. Speaking to Fox 17, Upton said with recent mass shootings, it's become clear change is needed. If more guns make us safer, we'd be the safest country on Earth. There is no country that has more guns than we do. Governor Whitmer tweeted Friday, quote, universal background checks and safe storage laws keep our communities safe from gun violence. I'm so glad we got this done, especially with the support of from Republicans like Representative Fred Upton. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners is working with court officials to improve the juvenile justice system in the county. At a meeting this week, they heard from consul- consultants who have been working on a strategic plan for the Berrien County Trial Court's Family Division. Top of mind is the need for a new juvenile center to replace the current facility built in 1974. Court Administrator Carrie Smetanka-Haney said a new center would solve multiple problems. We already do a great job of offering services, but those services are not something that are really at a centralized hub. And we do have issues with transportation and accessibility in the community here, I think, that we're all aware of. Family Division Administrator Elvin Gonzalez said staffing shortages are also causing the courts to send juveniles out of state to be housed. A review found the county spends about $8,300 per day to house juveniles in places like Utah, Arizona, and Indiana. We're paying millions of dollars to put kids in other states, and we have 18 beds that are empty that I'm needing staff for. Long-term facilities planning for the new juvenile center will be a priority this year. The court's working with contractors to develop a plan while also seeking support for short-term problems. They asked county commissioners to be part of the process. The court's five-year strategic plan is now online for anyone to see. Congressman Tim Walberg has had a chance to chat with Berrien County residents at an event held in Stevensville today. He addressed about 50 people at the Lincoln Township Library. Among the topics discussed was the Protect Kids Act, which would require any federally funded elementary or middle school to seek and acquire parental consent before changing their child's pronouns, gender markers, or preferred name on any school form. Another topic was the Pipes Act, which would prevent the president from shutting down pipelines without congressional approval. Those present this morning also asked about safeguarding Social Security, balancing the budget, crime, and gun violence, and improving the economy. Wahlberg has been traveling the 5th District for the past two weeks during a, con- a congressional recess. The Stevensville event was the fifth such gathering that he's held, with others held in Jackson, Lenawee, Monroe, and St. Joseph counties. The United Way of Southwest Michigan is celebrating the winners of its annual awards. Spokesperson Jennifer Tomshack tells us they held their annual celebration this week in person for the first time since 2019. She says it felt wonderful to see a room full of people there for the United Way. That was four long years that we didn't get to gather together in person with each other as a community to celebrate all the things we do together as a community. Tom Shack says the United Way honors businesses, nonprofits, and individuals who support its work. There were a lot of partners saluted this week, and we have the full list of winners at our website. The theme for the celebration this year was Dear Neighbor. We chose that because it's a recognition of of our deep need to have connections with each other. And it's a reminder that none of us do this life alone and that we're all called to reach out and help one another, just like good neighbors do. The United Way celebrated corporate supporters that held campaigns for the organization, individuals who received Pay It Forward awards, volunteers, and those who have made a community impact like the Out Center of Southwest Michigan and Maria Zavala-Paredes, a liaison for the National Farmworker Jobs Program. Former Benton Harbor basketball star and Michigan's Mr. Basketball in 2020, Carlos Scooby Johnson Jr. has been found not guilty of sexual battery by a jury in Indianapolis. That's according to the Indianapolis Star. Johnson signed to play for Butler University, but he didn't play his freshman year due to an injury. He had faced felony rape and sexual battery charges when the accusations were first made against him in 2021. And two rape charges against him were dropped earlier this week before the trial, according to the report. This is the time of year when you may notice a lot of dead fish in lakes and streams around Michigan. Michigan Department of Natural Resources Fisheries Division Research Manager Gary Whelan tells us the spring fish kill starts when uh, ice covering lakes starts to melt. But you'll find evidence about now. Under the ice, when you have deep ice cover and snow cover, the vegetation under the ice ultimately dies because it's cut off from light and doesn't photosynthesize any further. So once it dies, it starts to use oxygen. And if indeed it uses enough oxygen, or if you have a lot of vegetation underneath there that dies, it uses up all the oxygen and ultimately it kills fish. Whelan says how often this happens is partly determined by how many nutrients are getting into a waterway, More nutrients uh, mean more plants, and therefore more dead fish come spring. He says you can help by knowing what's being run off into waterways near you. For example, fertilizers can contribute to the issue. Fortunately, Whelan says kills are localized and typically do not affect the overall health of the fish populations or the fishing quality. And a group of volunteers is planning an Arbor Day event in St. Joseph to spread awareness about invasive plants and to remove them. Carla Sycora is the coordinator for Free Our Trees, a grassroots organization that sprung up in regards to Oriental Bittersweet. She tells us it can be found all over the area. It's the type of vine that once it grows, it it needs to climb to the sun, it climbs up a tree, it twists around the tree, and in various ways weakens the tree and eventually kills it. Sakora started Free Our Trees and put out the word on social media, getting several responses from people who had also noticed the spreading vine. Once you're looking for it, you'll see the trees are just draped with these vines. Sometimes of the year you'll see the red berries, and then you'll see trees that are just snapped off in half. The group will meet at Knopf Park in St. Joseph Township on Arbor Day, April 29th, to learn about invasive plants and to pull some from the park. Sakora says everyone's invited, and she hopes the effort will continue. The volunteers will meet at the Vineland entrance to the park, and then they will be there. From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., they have the blessing of St. Joseph Township officials. Everyone's invited to come and learn more. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg Report. <music> WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dawajak, where furniture shopping is fun. A Massachusetts Air National Guardsman has appeared in court accused in the leak of highly classified military documents. The Guardsman, Jack Tejera, did not enter a plea at today's hearing in Boston and was returned to detention pending his next appearance next week. Meanwhile, prosecutors unsealed charges and revealed how billing records and interviews with Tejera's social media comrades helped pinpoint the suspect. He's charged with unauthorized removal and retention of classified and national defense information. Investigators believe Tejera was the leader of an online private chat group where the documents were shared. Accounts by others in the group depict him as motivated more by bravado than ideology. Meanwhile, with uh, that suspect in court today, ABC's Karen Travers is in Dublin and has the latest from President Biden. President Biden, in a statement, commended what he called the, quote, rapid action by law enforcement in arresting Jack Tejera. The president said while his administration is still determining the validity of the documents, he had directed the military and intelligence community to, quote, take steps to further secure and limit distribution of sensitive information. The White House said the president was briefed on the arrest Thursday night in Dublin. Karen Travers, ABC News, Just hours before new restrictions were set to be put in place on the abortion drug Mifepristone, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito has issued an administrative stay of the Texas court ruling until midnight April 19th. It would essentially give the case a timeout to give the Supreme Court more time to make a decision on a potential stay on the case pending appeal. ABC's uh, Devin Dwyer explains more about the decision. ...with the drug company to put all of that on hold, to freeze the status quo in place while these legal battles continue to play out at all levels of the court. While the battle over Mifepristone continues down in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis has signed a bill that bans abortions at six weeks. More from ABC's Rachel Scott. This is a bill to ban abortion at six weeks into a woman's pregnancy. That's before most women even know that they are pregnant. Of course, this would have significant implications on access to abortion in the South. Fourteen states have stopped nearly all abortion services. I just got back from Florida clinics there. They're seeing a surge in out-of-state patients traveling to Florida for abortion care. And of course, politically speaking here, we know that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is expected to run for president in 2024. He's leaning into these abortion restrictions that Democrats use to help mobilize their voters in the midterm election. Former Vice President Mike Pence has faced a smattering of boos at the start of his speech at the National Rifle Association's annual convention. For the second year in a row, the NRA is holding its convention within days of mass shootings that shook the nation. The gathering kicked off today in Indianapolis with a bevy of top Republican presidential candidates. NRA CEO Wayne LaPierre warned that, quote, gun-hating politicians of the damage this group could do to their political careers. Pence mentioned recent mass shootings in Louisville, Kentucky and Nashville, Tennessee, but said the answer is not more gun control or gun confiscation. Pence says the answer is crime control. There's a two-pronged effort being made by federal authorities to fight the fentanyl crisis at the source. More maybe sees Dave Packer. As the Justice Department charged more than two dozen Sinaloa cartel members, including El Chapo's sons, with trafficking deadly fentanyl into the U.S., simultaneously, the U.S. Treasury Department said it was sanctioning suppliers of the precursor chemicals used to make fentanyl. That includes two entities in China and five people based in China and Guatemala, for allegedly supplying precursor chemicals to drug cartels in Mexico for the production of illicit fentanyl intended for U.S. markets. Eight of the 28 people charged by the Justice Department are in custody abroad, the U.S. offering rewards for others charged in the case. Dave Packer, ABC News. And a bunch of new movies are opening wide this weekend, but one holdover will still have the high score. Morph maybe sees Jason Nathanson. There's a huge universe out there. And that universe is watching the Super Mario Brothers movie. The film just crossed the $500 million mark at the global box office. It's now the highest earning film of the year worldwide and in North America. And it's now also the best grossing movie adapted from a video game ever. 2016's Warcraft was the previous best at $439 million. 2019's Pokemon Detective Pikachu was in second, both moved down a slot. And Mario's far from game over. Experts expect it'll easily earn over a billion dollars during its theatrical run. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.